You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the third and final 60th anniversary Doctor Who special, The Giggle by Russell. Synopsis. In 1925, Charlie, assistant to John Logie Baird, enters a toy emporium where he meets the eccentric German proprietor. Charlie is in search of a toy doll for an experiment for his employer. He chooses Stookyville and returns to Baird's workshop. Using Stooky Bill's head as a test subject, Baird transmits the first television picture. As it catches fire, its mouth opens, and it laughs. In the present, the world is in chaos, and the Doctor and Donna are soon picked up by unit taken to their skyscraper headquarters, where the Doctor finds Melanie Bush, a former companion, now working for unit, and Kate Lethbridge-Stewart. They explain that two days ago, the world went mad, and at the same time, the final worldwide Connect Everything satellite went live. Without a little gizmo on their arms, every human, except those who have traveled in the TARDIS, believes they are right about everything and cannot be told otherwise. It's true, the planet has turned into one big online flame war, except with planes, trains, automobiles, guns, and whatever else. The Doctor quickly identifies that the first television image ever transmitted is lodged within every screen in the world, and it's causing all this. The Doctor authorizes Unit to destroy the Korean satellite. While Unit prepares to destroy the satellite, the Doctor and Donna take the TARDIS back to the time of the first television transmission, and they find the Toy Emporium. The Doctor soon realizes that the proprietor of the shop is none other than the eternal, immortal toy maker, who has been nursing a grudge since the first Doctor defeated him at a game of logic. Corridors are traversed, and finally the Doctor challenges the toy maker to a game. The game is cut cards. High card wins. The toy maker wins, but the doctor points out that they are even, and a win must be two out of three. The toy maker agrees they'll do it back in 2023. Back in 2023, Unit destroys the satellite, and I'm not sure, but I think that saves the world from the giggle. However, not so much for the doctor. The toy maker is here, and he's decided to play the third and final match against the next doctor. He fatally shoots the doctor, starting the regeneration process. Then, magic happens, and the Doctor splits in two. One old, one new, and they challenge the Toymaker to a game of catch, which the Toymaker loses. He is banished from reality for all eternity. But now there are two Doctors, and with a little leftover Toymaker magic, there are now two TARDISes. Doctor New heads out into the universe, and the Doctor stays behind to live with Donna and her family to recover from the traumas of his life. The End now, not not very often, but upon occasion, we do exchange a little uh, of our opinions on these episodes before, but typically we don't. But once in a while, a little bit of it creeps through. And in a case like Doctor Who, a uh, big deal like this, uh, some of it creeps through. Um, it, can be hard to, it can be hard to help myself sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I, I can understand that. And I have avoided as much as humanly possible all online Opinions, podcasts, I have seen a few toots here and there with people talking about how amazing this was. Amazing. 
amazing, I say. It's the most amazing. Oh, my gosh. Russell T. Davies is God himself. He's so fantastic. It's amazing. Oh, it's wonderful. I love it. Not my opinion, um, but, uh, but seems to be what I've seen so far, which is a bad sign for people who might be nursing that opinion when they come to this podcast. So, Simon, what did you think <laughs> of the giggle? I'm... Oh. I'm kind of, I'm very cautious about being one of those people who pour cold water on the joy that an episode can bring to those people to whom it has brought joy. And Fair enough. I had quite an emotional response to this one, which I haven't had for really quite a while um, to, to a Doctor Who episode. And it has made me think about the kind of it, I mean, the fact that there are people who like like some episodes and don't like other episodes, and just like certain eras of the show and don't like certain eras. None of that is is new. You know, right. there are people who, for whatever peculiar reason, you know, some sort of childhood trauma or something, don't like Stephen Moffat's era of Doctor Who. I, I get I that. You're going to say mean, Sylvester McCoy's, but okay, yeah, yeah. Well, Sylvester McCoy. What you know, it's 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 the same thing for everyone who loves Russell T. Davis and hates Chris Chibnall. There are people who love Chris Chibnall and hate and hate Stephen Moffat or, or you know, whatever whatever it may be. So I I I think throughout the the kind of well let's let's say the, the Capaldi and Whitaker runs of the show, I've kind of not not had that kind of real sense of uh, feeling disappointed or feeling like something deeply important about the show has been messed about with. And I think I did have that quite a lot, actually, with Russell T. Davis in his original run. And, it, you know, the, the passage of time has dulled the pain with some of it. And I had it again. You know, Stephen Moffat is not perfect. I, I definitely remember the last time I was really kind of feeling angry having watched the Doctor Who episode, was after Death in Heaven, where uh, Moffat brought back the Brigadier in a way that I thought was kind of deeply disrespectful and unpleasant and kind of taints mm. re-watching that episode. That was actually Capaldi, wasn't it? I was saying Capaldi run was, was fine. but um, It's odd. You know that was meant to be respectful. You, you, I know, you know it was. That Moffat did that intend to be respectful, and yet some people vehemently see that as just a, a destruction of his memory and, and, and it, you know that's the that's the kind of thing about these things it's the it's these the the all of the kind of people involved in production the the, the number of stages anything goes through to get signed off because it's not actually all down to russell t davis there are umpteen other people involved in the process you know i mean there's there is a script editor and there are multiple producers and i i think you know with a, a certainly with david tennant here you've you've got him having some kind of creative input into the show and they all they all think that what i'm gonna i'm gonna the spoiler right the spoiler here is that my problem is with particular problem with this is the regeneration this wasn't an episode i loved but the regeneration really pushed my buttons uh, and it's not a regeneration, obviously a bi-generation, but it it went through all of these kind of creatives who all thought that it was great. And 
as you say, the reaction online is this is terrific. And so it's not like this is wrong. I would, I would have, if I'd been in any of those meetings in some kind of parallel universe where I was some sort of TV executive, I'd have been going, oh my God, you can't possibly do this. People will hate it. People didn't hate it. My judgment about that is completely wrong. Wait, there may still be people out there who hate it. I just haven't gone looking well, for them Well, of course yet. there are. Of course, of, of course there are people out there who hate it. And, you know, and any anything to do with Doctor Who, and indeed anything about what regeneration actually is and what it means, there are going to be an, as many different interpretations of that question as there are Doctor Who fans out there. So I guess, in a way, what this has forced me to do is to consider what it is about regeneration that is so important to me and why I don't want it messed around with. And I think it's because one thing that is really key to when I watch any Doctor Who is the sense that the Doctor is the same person whenever you're... And this has been kind of diluted a bit, the idea that really what you're getting here is someone i'm gonna say someone new because because you know even mel's lying in this to know who you're going to be but it's going to be someone fantastic and it's like someone is going to occupy a point in the doctor's space time continuum even that's not simple because he's a time traveler and <laughs> so what that means is is difficult but i i guess you know fundamentally the point about identity has to do with memory and the doctor keeps a set of memories, even through regeneration, apart from, you know, Paul McGann's Doctor, and even then they came back. And the personality changes are, it's, I feel in a way that, and I like the personality, I like the fact the Doctor changes, it's still the same person, and it's a different personality, but it's not a completely different personality, it's a different set of characteristics coming to the fore that are all there in some sense. It's a different desktop. I think it, well, yes, in a sense it is, but in a sense it's also reflecting the fact that if I were to kind of examine my own core beliefs about identity and kind of leave, leaving all of the kind of intellectual philosophical arguments that I studied at the university and just kind of going, with, what do I actually instinctively believe? I think it has partly to do with memory being a kind of massive force in it. And it has partly to do with biology in the sense that the the body we with which we inhabit has such a huge effect on things like our mood i mean if you just think about how different i am when i'm hungry compared to when i've been fed i think you know and for for pe people who experience chronic pain or i mean we know all this stuff from people who who experience brain damage or or whatever that that huge personality changes can take effect and the doctor has this complete cellular regeneration so all of, all of that's kind of fine and i i've kind of arrived at my understanding of what regeneration means but this is still the same doctor right all the way through this is still the same doctor and the problem that we've got here is that instead of there being a kind of linear this is the same doctor we've now got the same two doctor doctors. but it it's, and it's not the same as when the doctor time travels and you've got two say, two doctors no. in the same place. It's the doctor simultaneous own in his own timeline. Timeline and whatever happens to David Tennant's doctor now, Shuti Gatwa's doctor is not going to remember because they have diverged. Oh, 
okay. Oh, okay. And I don't know how I feel about that. I have questions. Well, I do here. know how I feel about that. I don't know how I'm going to feel about it. But right I don't now, like it. I feel I don't vivid. like it at all. <laughs> okay, but, so here is the weirdy part. Okay. If you look at this in any, let's come back to our RTD mantra. Don't think. But if you think about this for a second, can David Tennant's doctor regenerate now? Will there be a different next doctor if he gets hit by a car while he's shopping with Donna? I don't know. Are we got another line or did he expend all his regenerative power and it's gone off into Shooty's doctor and now Tennant is the end of the line? That he will grow old and die or whatever. I, I don't. I don't know, but they say in this episode, Shooty says, I'm me because I'm okay because you took the time to get healed, which more than implies that Shooty is still a future incarnation of David Tennant, which is don't think or you will hurt yourself. Um, well, I want to say, yeah. I... Okay. Your comments about what you're livid about is is interesting, and and I mean that in a serious way. I'm not I'm not trying to diminish it, but immediately after the episode, which is when I know you <laughs> had our first conversation, what you were upset about was once again getting a companion, getting their own little bespoke doctor to take, like Rose did. I mean, when the comparison well, I, was there no, to that, no, that sounded like what you were talking about. They pulled the same no. ending again. I, I, that's that's kind of not my issue. I don't I don't mind I don't mind what the doctor does now. I, no, no, just the fact that RTD has to do that to give them a happy kind of. I think we I can't think, leave Rose think, without a consolation prize. So she gets her what what was the term you used for that one? Paper cutout doctor. Yeah, I mean the, the so there is the, there is the fact that Russell T Davis has done this before in Journey's End. He did it slightly differently, but yeah. in effect, he took took a regeneration and he used it to create duplicate doctor. But in that case, he did explicitly say this doctor cannot regenerate. Yes. That was and he human. did it so that Rose wouldn't Rose would have a doctor. I don't think I don't think that's what he was doing here. I don't think he was. I don't think Donna was incomplete without the doctor. I think no. I, I no no. It's just you know. It's that idea I, that we don't want to kill the doctor. We don't want the tenth doctor to yeah. to be gone. I, he has to yeah. continue on. And, and I, so I think that I think that was more to do with not wanting to kind of sever the viewer's emotional connection with this incarnation of the doctor. And it's not this incarnation of the doctor, to be honest. It's David Tennant playing the doctor because, for the same reason, I dislike. I dislike this. I dislike naming the doctors as the fourteenth doctor or whatever because it's not the fourteenth doctor. It's the doctor. It's the first doctor, right? Or in your your um, theory of what's gone on, it's well that is the first doctor. The doctor. And now <laughs> it's the doctor. Now the second, the second doctor. But it is the doctor. But what we what we are calling the fourteenth doctor or the fourteenth incarnation of the doctor is different from is supposed to be different from the tenth incarnation of the Doctor, which is also played by David Tennant. But what RTD is trying to avoid is people feeling like David Tennant's version of the Doctor has gone away. The, the reason I think that's kind of self-defeating is that, and again, I'm wrong, 
everyone else loves this episode, fine. But the thing that surprises me, okay, is that I think that regeneration does actually serve a kind of purpose here in the sense of it brings closure. The reality is David Tennant's incarnation of the Doctor has gone away for all the speculation there is online about this being a setup for a spin-off with the Doctor and Donna, you know, stranded on Earth or whatever. That's not going to happen, right? David Tennant has left the show again and all those people who love that incarnation of the Doctor are not going to be watching him continue his adventures. Do you, and... do you remember... Sorry, do you, do you remember we had a talk a little while ago uh, about when they made the Paul McGann movie that they wanted to get Tom Baker to come in to do the regeneration instead of yeah. Sylvester McCoy? It's because the audiences love Tom Baker, right? That's Tom Baker yeah. was at that time, iconically the doctor. It's, you know, so sorry, everybody else, but for particularly in America... Tom Baker was the doctor and that would have been a big boost for them to get him in even for a bit. If they could have got him in to play the doctor in the movie, that would have been even better. And I just do feel like Disney might be trying to hedge their bets here. You know, you get a movie, they've, they've always wanted doctor who movies. They could have, they could actually have David Tennant legitimately in it as the doctor. And that would be far better than to them from an economic standpoint than any other possible combination uh or thing that they could do because tom baker is too old and and that time has passed now david Tennant is you know kind of that that apex doctor model may not be my favorite but you know from the pop culture thing that's kind of the thing so you know i'm not saying we want to nice I theory, think we might but see it's a movie. not we will not we will not, okay? I don't think we are going to see David Tennant play the Doctor again until, you know, we get the 75th anniversary or whatever it is and we get him playing the curator and, you know... The Maybe he David regenerates Tennant, into the curator. <laughs> Dave, David Tennant has left Doctor Who because he wanted to do other things and the reason he's come back to Doctor Who now is because it was just three episodes he's not going to start doing a movie series or whatever i just think that is not going to happen and 50 million pounds salary that's not part of the consideration around why no i mean I, I think if he'd been willing to come back and play the doctor they would have carried on having him you know they'd have had it they'd have had him for what i'm calling season 40 what might be season 14 or one or whatever they they would they they'd have brought him back for that, but that's you know he's he's done that he's not doing that again. I don't think that is happening, and I think that you couldn't get Leonard Nimoy back for a series of Star Trek, but you could get Leonard Nimoy back for a big budget movie and a fat fat paycheck. It's less time, it's less commitment, and it's a lot lot more money. I don't think that is part of the the reason that Russell T Davis has done this. I think the reason he has done it is because he thinks that it's unhappy to have Tennant's Doctor die. Yes, in the but you can he, have he, more than one purpose in your mind when you're doing something. 
I, you can, no, you I can think... have more than one position. You can't, it's not binary. It doesn't have to be binary. I'm doing this because I either want a happy ending or I want a sad ending. It can be the universe is not that. I, I, I'm sure I've heard those words somewhere very recently. The universe is not binary. And I'm absolutely sure he just wants to have a happy ending. He wants all the doctors to have a happy ending. He said so as much in the commentary. He doesn't want them to die. <laughs> he, he said that. And 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 he said that he the you know this is this is not ba the the idea that he's leaving the door open for a movie or whatever is I mean it doesn't fit with anything that we've heard or seen anything about anywhere else but we have we have absolutely we know from as you say the commentary that this is the reason that he did this here it's also the reason that he did not want to kill off any of the companions because he has this view that. You know when you when you kill a companion, and he was he was critical in the episode of what Moffat did to Amy Pond and to Clara and to Bill. He doesn't like the episodes where they die, and he seems to have extended that even to regeneration. And I think that's a problem because I I think it did not. He's trying to he's trying to give the audience this happy experience but i think he's denying them the closure of when their favorite actor playing the doctor goes away and seeing that seeing that the, the, the kind of moment in which they transform and i also think he's creating a problem for the new actor and i don't think i don't think he's alone in thinking it's a difficult thing for audiences to take to the new actor because the you know the previous one has had to die in order for them to take their place because in a way that was what we saw Moffat dancing around in deep breath where he has Matt Smith appear and give what is basically a kind of fourth wall breaking appeal to Matt Smith fans to give Capaldi a chance I mean that's that's yeah. what Clara is a proxy for in that scene but by doing what he's done here and just allowing Tennant's Doctor to continue, he's not actually even steering the fans down that road. I think he's giving, I think he's giving Shooty Gatswer a difficult time because he has to spend his first twenty minutes as a doc as the Doctor playing second fiddle when he should be the pretender, the the absolute lead in those scenes. Although I don't think Gatswer's going to have a problem with that based on how fantastic he was, but. I think those things are it make it makes it all problematic in terms of just the the kind of the real world function that regeneration is supposed to provide in terms of stewarding the audience through a change of doctor and I also think there's an in world there's an in world problem with it which quite simply is regeneration is supposed to deal with the doctor dying it's a consequence of the doctor dying but actually what happens here is there is no consequence to the Doctor dying. The Doctor being killed in this case means the Doctor survives and, as a bonus, kind of spawns an additional Doctor. So yeah, what the hell was the drawback there? I don't think this is a good idea. Um, you know, if if we never see David Tennant again, I will always think of Shudi Gatwa as a different Doctor. And I... I I don't, you know, so, okay, l l let me, well, we have 
so far off talking about the episode and to the ramifications, but that's, you know, hardly surprising. I was thinking about this. This is not, call it a bi-generation, and there are some distinctions, but this is actually asexual reproduction. The doctor has split into two. There are now two doctors. The toy maker actually, toy maker makes it sound like if he kills one of them, they too will now split in two. Because mm-hmm. that's what he's contemplating. It's like, oh, I just keep killing you and you'll split into two and then there'll be more of you to kill. And ah, ah, ah. Uh, Which is like, oh, fl- uh, let's get a new showrunner before we change doctors again. Um, well, they tried to stop him. They tried to stop him, which is like, well, why would you do that? Why would you try to stop him? You're just going to... Shoot me again. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, where's well, the drawback? Just get another one here. Um, but so, but if you think about it, this is a question that that comes up, has come up somewhere in, <laughs> in the ages, and I think I even peeked at the first sentence of uh, summary of Wikipedia. And this is, well, yeah, this is something. Think if you have an amoeba, an amoeba, how long does an amoeba live? Right, they go about two days before they split into two identical amoebas. Is the amoeba still alive? Is it two new amoebas? <laughs> Is an amoeba immortal until someone squashes it or burns it in a lab or something? I don't know. Is it? But it's definitely two amoebas, and they go off and do different things. They don't have memories, but they have different experiences. One might get fatter, and the other one might get skinnier if they go down the wrong food path, whatever. But they are the, you know, they will start having different amoeba experiences from the moment they split. And they are two different amoeba, but they are the same amoeba. And, you know... That's that's a mind bender. I don't know which how you would consider that. Is that one continuous life or is that an end in two new lives? I don't know. I really don't. It does kind of raise the question whether in the so in the in the terminology of fourteenth doctor, fifteenth doctor stuff, is whether the character that David Tennant is playing post by generation is fifteen A and Shooty is fifteen B, as it were. Or like you know, or is he's died. Tenet is fifteen and Shooty is one beta. Well, I don't, I don't know why you're making a diff- a difference there. They, they're both. What, how do you one choose has the which continuity of, of one has the continuity you of identity that you yourself described earlier. It is both your memories and your physicality. But they both, they both, they both have that physical continuity because they are the not Shooty's completely different physically. Uh, you were talking about, they oh, I'm different when I'm hungry, but I, I live a different life because I'm tall and my wife is short. If you put, no, no, if no, I had no, been raised I, in a short body, I would I, have no, a different sorry. identity. I, yes. I, I, I was not clear enough. What I'm talking about is physical contiguity. You're occupying, again, you've got to be careful because time traveler, but occupying the same physical space in effect. It's... It's this thing that you don't have with humans. That we we all actually physically are completely changed because you know pretty much every cell is is new if you wait long enough. I think it's seven years or something. You mean we're regenerating? We're re- we're regenerating slowly. But the the point the point I was making is it's not it's not that there's a physical difference or that in in some way because I think you're trying to make the point that Shooty's doctor is. He, he he is not as much the doctor because he's changed, but then, you know, that would be the argument for saying that Whitaker's doctor is not as much you know, she she was different from Capaldi, right? But what I'm trying to argue is that 
she is the same as Capaldi, and the the Doctor that Tennant was playing at the beginning of this episode was the same as Whitaker's Doctor because they'd been in the same space. And now they 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 have both emerged from the same physical through line because during during the re regeneration they actually split. So there was one Doctor at the beginning, and now there are two Doctors who but who have both you know, fo followed on. And in a sense, Shooty is the true continuation because he's the, he's the, what you would expect that there would be a complete change. And, um, to David Tennant is at this point more like the kind of discarded skin of a snake. Yeah, no, no, I'm not going to go with that. I, I, Capaldi and, and Whitaker are two different beings and they are also the same. That is, they are a continuation of the same being. They are, but they are. Why? They are different because they are different. They are physically why different. Are they the They're same? mentally why different. They are. Why are they the same? They are the same because they are temporally and, uh, and physically connected through linear function. They're, and they, so shooty. Our cells regenerate slowly. Their cells regenerate quickly and change more than ours do. But we are yeah. the same. They are the but same. But shooty, shooty follows the, through the, that. He, he, fol he, he follows does, through. but the he... other one didn't change. So which one is more original? So well, you've got one, and you 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 linearly split another one off. That one is different. It is if you're going to say one is a different model and one is the same old one. It's not a skate snakeskin because, as far as we can tell, nothing was left behind except his tie and his underpants uh, and a shirt. I'm going to come but, to clothing. Oh god, yeah, <laughs> but. What we've done is we have not killed Tennant off, and that's even RTD's thing. So he is the doctor. That is the doctor. This is a new doctor. And it is, in this one instance, a truly new separate entity. It's a new entity. He is new. He is not the older doctor. He is the younger doctor because he is a day old and nothing okay, more. I, I, With the memories I mean, of the I, other I, one. I, I, I'm not, I'm not going to... I've got 101 other things I want to argue about, and I just don't. Oh, yeah. I don't agree with that because I think you're not you're not being consistent. But I I don't think that either of us are going to convince ourselves. I, I'm being consistent with every other bi generation there's been. No, I think I think you're not being consistent in saying there is there is some sense in which in every other regeneration when the Doctor changes but is still the same. The fact that Shooty changes here means that he is, you know. David Tennant says it's a different person in in the episode. What the end of not the yeah the end of time. David Tennant says that it's like I die, another yes. person gets up and walks off with my memories, but yes. I die. It is a and new, I, but it is also you yeah, know which the, which 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 is which of is the previous what, doctor what, reanimated. The point the point I'm making about consistency is that I think all of these arguments you're making about Shooty's doctor apply to every previous regeneration so i it, it depends on your understanding of regeneration and i think you and i unsurprisingly have slightly different understandings of regeneration and there's kind of no point in arguing about which one is right or wrong because as rtd didn't has, think about it <laughs> everyone has a slightly different interpretation of it and i think what's di what's different here is the fact that they do seem to have split off and don't share a timeline. Although one of the other things that I want to go on to talk about is it, it, I think you've kind of alluded to it already slightly in the sense that there is that dialogue where 
Shooty's doctor said, I don't know why I'm calling him Shooty and not calling tenant David. Gatwa's doctor says to tenant's doctor, you know, I'm I'm sorted out because you went and, you know, chilled out and had a rest, even though there isn't that linear continuity. And that, to me, didn't make sense. The the whole, you know, where Gatwa is explaining it to tenant, you need to stop. But why is tenant the one who needs to stop? Why, you know, if they're... If they've both emerged from bi-generation as two versions of the Doctor with a set, the same shared history, why haven't they got the same shared traumas and things? I'll, I'll tell you how they can fix that. Or how, when Moffat comes back for Moffat 2 era, how he'll fix it. No, God, no. He, 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 will, have, he will have David Tennant start to regenerate and he will somehow merge back to the 60th anniversary special and be the shooty that pops out. That's the kind of thing that I I think, you know, I think that Moffat could actually do. He's very, he's, he is clever at doing the things like that. But I, I'm kind of like, I just want to move on and forget about all the horror of this as soon as we finish discussing it for the podcast so that I can, this is my therapy, right? This is, I need to talk about it now so that I can, I can move on. (laughs) But the the other the other thing that I think suggests that at least in RTD's mind that there is still some kind of strange linear continuity going on here is that he has Donna say that Tennant's doctor is younger than Gatwa's doctor, and she right. she justifies not... it because you came after him. But that that makes absolutely no sense. It, I mean, it makes sense that Ten Tennant was young Tennant you know, half an hour ago was younger than Gatwiz now, but Fair. Tennant half an hour ago is younger than Tennant is now yeah. himself. It, it This is nonsense. This is absolute nonsense. Yes, I agree. Sh- shall we, uh, um, putting regeneration aside for, for a bit and talk a little, I, I, I broke my notes out into two sections and I tried to, because I watched the episode and I, not intentionally taking notes. I watched the episode to enjoy it live, and I when I watched the episode, I don't necessarily say yeah. I watched it to enjoy it. Although I didn't hate it. Don't get me wrong. There was there was fun. There was fun watching this, despite things that were annoying me. But there was fun watching it. But when it was done, like you, my therapy is now. I'm I'm going to take some notes now, and all of those notes had to do with this whole regeneration thing. That all the implications of this regeneration thing, and they did not get better when I listened to the commentary where RTD says basically, yeah, that that was retroactive. It did it to all the doctors in the past. They all had a happy ending and got up and left and went on. And I'm like, oh, oh. And it's like, and I'm not doing anything different than what Big Finish does. And I said, yes, you are doing something very different from what Big Finish does. They are a curator. They are curating the legacy of Doctor Who, and you are playing the freaking toy maker with the legacy of Doctor Who because you're its god at the moment, and you can change it and mar it and and twist it and do anything you want to it. And they slavishly try to... You don't think he's playing the toy maker. He's the toy maker. He can do I, whatever I, he I, wants, I, and he does for a story. I think. Always I think Big Finish can do things that I, that I, uh, God, I don't. I'm not going to give examples because I, I'm, yeah, no, not wanting don't. to spoil for listeners who have not heard all he, Big Finish. Or remember to... you complaining, 
just a couple episodes about the David Tennant episodes of Big Finish and the Tom Baker episodes because they too slavishly try to recreate the air. I know. There's some there is nothing. There is nothing. There is nothing in the Tom Baker or David Tennant. I'll all right. I'll pick it. I'll pick an example. They do. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm. I'm not going to throw any spoilers in there. But I think people remember if they're remembering that from a couple of episodes ago. I said one of the things I liked about certain certain stories the Big Finish do with other Doctors, like the I think the examples I was given were sixth, seventh, and eighth. The example I'm thinking of now is with the fifth. Is that they is that they push the boundaries or whatever. One of the things that they do is they pick up stories of the other companions. All right, I am going to I am going to give an example. It's a it's a mild example. It annoyed me mildly, but I'm going to give it because I need to give it anyway for a point I'm going to make about the episode later. So hell, why not do it now? And that is where they bring back Mel at a later stage in her timeline than we have seen on screen so rather than doing what you're talking about which is kind of curating the old episodes inserting stories that kind of fit in between what we've seen on screen they create some of their own continuity and they in this case they do it by having Mel reunite with the doctor later in her own personal timeline and I've got a point to make now about you in response to your point, okay. which is that I think that sometimes Big Finish do mess about with things in a way that I think Russell T. Davis has messed about with things now. And I've also got a point, which is that I, I, I which is what I was saying, you know, last time we talked about Doctor Who, which is I like it when, Doc, when Big Finish are more experimental just as i actually do appreciate the fact that what russell t davis here is doing something different and it doesn't always work and in general i'm cool with that and in fact you know to avoid being hypocritical i i've got to, i've got to say and this you know this is why this is what you've got to do as a doctor who fan you've just got to learn to let go of these things and it and it is just that i kind of forgot what it felt like because it hasn't happened quite like this for a while but it reminds me that i probably should have been kinder to all the people who were complaining about the things that they hated in the whittaker chibnall era because actually none of them were pushing my buttons like this but when you remember what it feels like it is actually a little bit painful so but i the, sorry yeah the, the the point about the point about big finish is that yeah, I think they sometimes do 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 that kind of stuff, but but I don't think, and so I think that there is, there is a sense in which they are doing the same thing RTD is doing here. But what RTD said about Big Finish, I will agree with you in the sense that he didn't get what they do, but I I think he was missing a different point about what they do, which is that they don't say all of the doctors in the past by generated in order to be able to tell stories with them they actually fit the stories in to the timelines that went before so for, for example with the one i'm complaining about which is what they did with mel in mel's personal future didn't involve any kind of contortions or whatever i mean obviously they had to pick up mel's story from her Sevalon blitz days but that that you know that didn't contradict regeneration or anything like that and when they want to do it with the the doctor um 
you know, different actors playing the Doctor or whatever, they get the different actors in, in the Doctor playing the Doctor as the Doctor was when they were playing them, in many cases. And as RTD said in the commentary, yes, it's a bit like they're doing with Tales from the TARDIS. They did exactly the same thing there, and they threw in some line about, you know, how timey-wimey stuff has changed the Doctor's appearance and age. It's exactly what Chibnall did in Power of the Doctor, doing the same thing. I kind of think that thing is fine. And also, if you haven't heard Once in the Future, I'm not going to recommend it because it's awful, but they do something <laughs> different Once in the Future, that's the, uh, as well that's to, the, uh, to the 60th anniversary big finish. Yeah, I've heard all those. I quite yeah. enjoyed them. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, it's not uh, awful. So, some of them are all right, but generally speaking, it's a mess. Um, it's a mess. But, you know, again, it's, it's Big Finish doing something different and experimental in order to tell the stories in a doing the kind of multi-doctor thing in a different way. And I'm in favor of doing things differently, doing new things. And so I'm while I'm complaining about these things, I'm not saying I'm not saying don't do them. But I do think I do think RTD missed the point in the video commentary. That's not what Big Finish do. He's not doing something that Big Finish do. But what you're, what you're saying is that you just need to let it go. That fans just need to let it go. Just, yes, just let it go. And I'm I am I am very much looking forward to RTD telling us that too, because he has been talking to the audience in these three episodes, and uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to. I'm thinking what episode two. Where Gatwa's doctor breaks into a song and dance number of Let It Go, maybe with uh, uh, Waddingham from uh, Ted Lasso. Maybe she'll be a guest. I don't um, know, but there's a musical number in episode in the Christmas special. I so. heard that one today, just before we podcasted. Uh, actually, uh, okay, let, let me, let me <laughs> let's get to the episode. Unfortunately, the first thing I'm going to say about the episode is it's the last of the Time Lords all over again. It is, a giant and also Torchwood Children of Earth and Torchwood Miracle Tor Day, and and but it's like okay, you got you got the satellite network. Time. Remember, they even name check it. You have the crazy dance number. Take the master, take the yep. take the toy maker. Uh, RTD overuses pop music. He even says that in the commentary. He loves the power of pop music. I think it dates the show, and it doesn't work. But okay, uh, oh, of course the uh, solution. No, it's the Spice I, Girls. Yeah, I'd not really it's not fan. it's not like using Britney Spears <laughs> in in um they'll be whatever, dated someday too. Whatever it's called, the uh, the end of the earth or whatever it's called. The, Toxic or no, something like no, that. No, 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 the point this point about using the Spice Girls is you're genuinely using some old music. It's it's more like it's more like um oh this in fa in Father's Day where they use uh tainted love or something. There's a Anyway, there's some, well, that was some modern at the, the time of the episode, yeah. But no, 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 it was content. It was contemporary to the episode. It was, it was contemporary with the episode. Tainted I, Love. I was contemporary was with the time the episode was shot in, if that's what it was. No, no, no. Not, not, not. In, sorry, was meant to be, i.e., Earth 1980s. Was, yes, exactly. Yes, it was. It was contemporary it was with period the time of the theory. The, 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 uh, let's see. You've got the Doctor being magically saved by a ridiculous bit of meh. <laughs> like you've uh, you've got the finale that taking place aboard a unit HQ in the yes. sky, basically, yes. and 100%. you have the sequence where 
Why do you have to be so small? Why do you have to be bad? Why don't you come with me and we'll travel the stars together? I mean, and someone picking up the master's ring, i.e. tooth, a woman's hand yeah. popping. I mean, wow. <laughs> like, although although just... I think that that was a very deliberate nod, whereas I, I could put the rest of it down to just running out of kind of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or just, you know, his his. He's running along the same tracks, but no, I I agree. And certain the kind of trope of everyone in the world being affected. I mentioned um, Miracle Day and the End of Time are are kind of standard things that he does a lot, and you, ha- you just really haven't seen since he left the show. But I also I also think that there are certain things in this episode, like um, I was kind of kind of I I I don't know how. We did discuss this a little bit, I think, when we talked about Wild Blue Yonder, was the fact that previous Doctor Who episodes have done some of these things and have done them better. And so, for example, the message in the screens, I thought, was better with the moon landing in the silence. And the kind of scary puppets was better in Night Terrors. And even kind of the corridors rearranging themselves, I was thinking... God, I'm sure terrors? we have seen that before. No, it wasn't. They weren't corridors in Night Terrors, were there? I thought you said puppets in Night Terrors. Yeah, pu- the puppets were Night Terrors. It's on Night Terrors. I don't remember Night Terrors. But, uh... It was almost the puppets or the dolls. They were dolls. They they were the they were the main baddie in Night Terrors. Mm. Well, I'm sure it was done better. It was a Moffat effort episode. Um, but. <laughs> But the, but the, the rearranging corridors. I was kind of thinking. I'm sure. I'm sure there's an episode where they did that. I was thinking. Hotel yeah, hang on a minute. with a Nymon. Well, I could have been the hotel with the Nymon, or it could have been Wild Blue Yonder. Literally last week. Well, there's that too. Wait a minute. Was the one was the one with the hotel night terrors? No. Okay. The one with the hotel. I've forgotten the name of temporarily, but I, it was the same season. I think it might. Be, I think they. I think that might be the episode after the one with the. With night night terrors, do you not remember night terrors at all? I do not remember it at all. I don't remember anything with puppets, uh, other than the, yeah, deep down below, yeah. Um. <laughs> well, obviously, RT doesn't. I'm kind of I'm not I'm not averse to reuse reusing ideas. My argument, I I can't remember whether I've ever written this theory up, but my argument is that the beast below, since you mentioned it, is basically exactly the same plot as the day of the Doctor. He just reworks his own story i'm fine with that because the day of the doctor turns out great i'm not necessarily particularly uh, against rtd reusing great ideas but i guess my problem with the way it happens in this episode is that all of the other examples except i guess for last of the time lords and no end of time as well were <laughs> Were episodes where I thought mm, it'd been done better previously, so why why come and do it again? Here's a obviously this episode switching switching gears. Uh, obviously this episode has something to say about social media, and I don't think it does. In I think it's I, I think I, it's I, an, another example of, of people... throwing throwing an idea in and not developing it. Well, yes, but that's the point. He's thrown it out there to show you see how awful it is. Uh, and and then he hasn't done anything meaningful with it. I'm not saying that it was a successful thing out there. But but here's my question. If, in fact, every person thought they were right 
all the time. Is that what would happen? I, I don't. I just don't feel like this is how it would, the chaos would devolve. I'm not convinced that an airline pilot would think I can just land this plane wherever the heck I want to. I, I, right. I'm, I maybe if he tried landing it, you know, go first or something, but bringing it down on his house. I, and and is this what Kate really thinks when she turns the the device off? Is that really what she's thinking, or is that something else? Is is it? Some does she really distrust the doctor? Does she really have a thing about Shirley's wheelchair? Is she, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not clear whether or not what we're seeing is meant to reflect our okay. opinions without consequence, or, or what? I, I just didn't I, get it. They're just unpleasant. Yeah, and it, it it's it's an interesting idea. The you know that that if you kind of removed that that kind of self self-regulating the 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 kind of part of ourselves that suppresses these kind of ugly suspicions or prejudices or whatever they may be and we we just kind of allow them to run unchecked what would happen then it's another interesting idea but it's an it's an idea that isn't developed and it's not an idea that really fits with the toy maker. This is one of my problems with it. It's that, yeah, there are things in this episode that aren't really about games, and yep. the 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 toy maker may not may not have been the best villain to choose for this. I guess considering what he could do, did he really need to employ the satellite network to and and the television image to cause everyone on Earth to be the way they are? That doesn't feel like it. Feels like he could have done that just by. <laughs> it's like he has well, he has the power. Every, to... Everything and, and has I... to be. Everything has to be a game, and everything has to follow the rules. And that's not. And I, that doesn't so, feel like a game to me. Yeah, I th I think well, it doesn't. No, it's not. And I so I think that idea and this idea of everything being right, they were not games. And okay, I think... hold on. Yeah, he he does say later in the episode all the games you play with the children playing in it. Xboxes in their rooms and whatnot. And then there's the other games. The dating, the ghosting, the canceling. It's like those aren't games either. I mean, sure, we say it's playing games, but it's not. That is not really what well, a I'm... game is. That's a that's a that's that's a playing without rules kind of Except thing. it's not. I think the I think the argument the argument would be it's it, there are rules to these things. They're kind of unwritten rules. But I think you could make the case. I think it's an idea that needs developing, but I think you could make the case. It's about rules. But I think you've also put your finger on the key thing about the toy maker, which is, and I say this having not seen the Celestial Toy Maker, so maybe I shouldn't comment, but I have encountered the toy maker in the three Big Finish stories. Yeah. And assuming that they are and i'm inclined to give them credit are based i haven't seen i haven't seen the celestial toy maker because i'm waiting for the animation to come out which is now announced waiting is one um, word <laughs> dreading is another but, uh, yeah possibly but um but but the, the way that they interpret the toy maker is that it's all about rules it's all about rules and that's not you won't cheat really the, the kind of take on this here because I think even when they do play a game with the toy maker 
I don't mind them choosing a simple game. So cutting the cards is fine because that has a clear set of rules and that kind of fits with the way the toy maker thinks. But playing, I mean, you could call, you could call catch a game because in a sense it's playing, it's we amuse ourselves, but it's not a game in the sense of having rules because the rules that the toy maker says would not create a sensible game. Like, the rule is that if you drop the ball, you lose. Well, then just throw it throw wild. It. So no, no one, would, no one would be able. To, the, you need a whole other set of rules around it, which is why people develop these games into much more complicated things, you know, like volleyball, for example. I would have been so happy. I would have been so happy if, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Gatless Docker throws the last throw. So he actually gets it's a tag team throw tenant to Gatwa to off the off the tower. I would have been so happy if he'd managed to pull that in as a bullet, get a good spin on it, and get some turn on that ball in in honor of the fifth doctor. Yeah. You know, actually actually use some skill to defeat the toy maker. So the ball comes right at him and we see it do a, you know, a 90 mile an hour turn and swing away from the from his hand that would have been phenomenal and it would have been consistent with the doctor but while we're on that subject i also think that there's something that's emblematic of the whole new who era or at least rtd's time in it anyway if you go back to the celestia toymaker what we do know is that the doctor won a logic game the doctor won by his brain these doctors played a game of pure luck and a game of just action and yeah. physical skill they're they're these are th those are hollow games compared to say playing a game of chess. Not saying there's anything wrong with playing games like that, but they're in a different category altogether, and they are definitely not. Uh, it it feels we have lost something where the doctor is the cleverest man in the room and wins well, by being a, the cleverest man in the room. I think there was a point there in in this episode, the point where. The doctor selects just cutting the cards, which, as you say, is purely a game of chance. Where I thought we were going to get an explanation for why he has chosen a game of chance, when I, I think I know, I, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. Well, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. There could have been a reason because you play a game of skill against someone who who is this extraordinary, shouldn't um, be able to lose you know, elemental force. When you play a game of chance, it's fifty fifty. Whereas when you do anything that involves skill against something that has these elemental powers, I think you've got to be, you basically got to be a god to, to be. Well, what he did was he gave himself two chances. I think it was intentional. I think that if he'd sat down at that table and if he had won, he'd have said, okay, I banish you to eternity. And he lost. So he says, okay, best two out of three. Those are the rules. He, that I think he planned it. I think that was his, I have two shots at this kind of thing. And that's, and that's the way I'm going to do it. But I, I would, so I think in a way he was strategizing a little bit, although it I does would have kind liked of to defeat know. the logic. Uh, it would, does defeat the logic of uh, Donna's dad. Or, yeah. Donna's dad saying the cards don't have a memory. That's true. You actually don't have better odds <laughs> of winning two, but you feel like you do. It, it was like, it well, if I lose the first one, I have. Interestingly, it wasn't Donna's dad saying the cards have no memory. That was Ian Fleming in, uh, I think, Casino oh, yeah, yeah. Royale. 
It was well, yeah, it was Donna's is... dad saying the dice have no memory. Dice, which I sorry, assume, dice card. I assume was it was deliberately. I'm I'm pretty sure it must have been a reference to Ian Fleming. But anyway, it might be. It might be. I mean, that's not a that's not an uncommon um, saying when people are debunking logical fallacies about odds. Um, so. Dice cards. If it had been Mark Gatiss, the, the marksman is it the marksman's fallacy or something? No, that's not it. I can't remember which fallacy it is, but it's a logic. It's a formal logical fallacy, but it's definitely not the marksman that one. And at that seemingly opportune moment in this conversation, I think we'll hold off until our next special episode out tomorrow. Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure as always. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again tomorrow on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash Fusion Patrol or patreon.com slash Fusion Patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation and find other content at FusionPatrol.com. And we're back on social media, where you can also follow us on Mastodon and the Fediverse. Our address is at podcast at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.